Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back once again to Game Time Sports, where it's always game time. For my co-hosts, Danny Curran and John Reggio, my name's Nick Chickalese, and we're coming to you live here every Monday from 5.30 to 7 on WXVU 89.1 The Roar, or whenever and wherever you get your podcasts. And uh, gentlemen, this is going to be the busiest I wager 90 minutes on the show of the semester, but I'm going to start right away, just throw out two quick notes because we don't have time to talk about them elsewhere. The two quick notes are um, the 2022 World Cup will either exclude Italy or Portugal. They drew into the same group, Italy the defending Euro Cup champions and Portugal making one more run with, presumably one more run with Cristiano Ronaldo. One of them will not even make it to Qatar. And the second note is that Tiger Woods is attempting a return to golf, but is not going to be a full-time player on the PGA Tour, but wants to play in tour events. So those are the two quick notes before we get into our lead story, which is uh, three major Major League Baseball free agent dominoes, major, major league. I just I got that there. Hmm. Uh, dominoes falling today, uh, much earlier in the offseason than many, predict- many prognosticators predicted. The first, Max Scherzer signing with the Mets for three years and 130-something. 130, I think. On he the just dot. 130 on the dot. Well, four years, 130 million, $130 million um, with the Mets. And then second, Robbie Ray, the American League Cy Young Award winner, going to Seattle for five years. And then the biggest signing, arguably, of the day, largest contract of the day, Corey Seager, the 2020 World Series MVP, headed to Texas, the Rangers, for 10 years and $325 million. Three of the biggest free agent dominoes have fallen. Um, most people, A lot of people were predicting that most players wouldn't sign until after the new collective bargaining agreement was agreed to. It has not been agreed to yet. There's still a lockout looming. Um, this week, there is a pending lockout, but looks like a lot of guys are trying to sign before that happens, John. Yeah, this has been honestly one of the busiest, I guess, Novembers in recent memory for baseball, especially yep. with free agent signings. And I guess I could start. I'm going to try to save Scherzer for last just because he's on my Mets now, and I, yep. I can go on a little bit of a rant on that. But Seager, he is honestly, in my eyes, since he's been on such a stacked Dodgers roster since 2015 or whenever he came up, like he's kind of flew under the radar, and I think of a lot of fans and analyst minds. Uh, he's just he's just an on-base guy, and he can hit. He's not going to give you too much pop. He'll give you like 10, 10 to 20 a year home runs, but where he really shines is uh, I think his batting average and his on-base. He has a career on base of 367, but this past year he was at 394, almost over the 400 clip, and hitting 306. So, I mean, he is a pretty steady player. He's still young. He's only 27, and he's mm-hmm. locked down for 10 yep. years now on Texas. Yeah, and they just signed Marcus Semien, another major, major player um, to their team. So they have complete, they've just reshaped their middle infield, uh, adding, I believe, both were all-stars this year. Uh, Seager actually wasn't, I guess. He, yeah. yeah, Seager missed, that's right, Seager missed time. Um, mm-hmm. But two all-star caliber players in the middle infield, um, adding to one of the worst teams in the league last year. But going into the offseason, it was clear the Rangers were going to spend money. They had a lot of money freed up ready to go, and they've landed two major free agent pieces to lead their team for many years to come. Um, yeah, John, great point. Doesn't know a lot of home runs. It's a lot of doubles, though. Yeah. Um, so... OPS over the last two years, 943 and 915, respectively, in, in the COVID year. He um, has had a number of injuries. That's the number one concern with him. He He's uh, only played more than 100 games once in the past four years. And obviously, the COVID year, um, there weren't 100 games available. But since 2018, he's played in 26, 134, 52, and 95 games. So um, injury issues are definitely a concern for him. But when he's on the field, he is one of the best shortstops in the, in the game. So it's... It's a huge signing. Um, 
going to help set the pace, uh, the Semyon deal too, but these are uh, really going to help set the market for the best shortstop free agency class potentially in the history of the game um, with Carlos Correa, the top dog still on the board, and also um, Trevor Story and Javi Baez still yet to find their new teams. Um, yeah, this is I, I'm shocked. First of all, at the speed at which the market has developed, you pointed that uh, you pointed that out correctly, John. Recent years, it seems like the big free agents have t- taken longer and longer to fall. I remember Bryce Harper didn't even sign with the Phillies until spring training in 2019. Um, but you have deals come together very quickly. Uh, Max Scherzer to the Mets kind of out of the blue, um, and. There was very there was some chatter about Seager to the Rangers, but um, it materialized very quickly. So and Robbie Ray again, also another one that materialized really quickly. Yeah, and he got paid. He got paid. Um, what what a turnaround for him! He was one of the worst pitchers in the league in 2020. Wins the Cy Young Award, gets the huge contract, um, going up there to Seattle. But yeah, I'm just very shocked at the volume of moves that have already been made, and I'm very shocked. Um, I don't want to say shocked, but I'm very nervously awaiting what the Yankees are going to do because um, the it, Brian Cashman outright said, we are going to address the shortstop position in the offseason. And Correa is the best guy on the market, and he's still there, but he wants a ton of money, a ton, a ton of money. And your, your plan B, if it were, your Corey Seager, who has been linked to the Yankees for a long time, uh, is now off the board. And I don't want Javi Baez... As my shortstop, I don't need that. He's not. He's not a. I, I don't want that. The amount of money that they have to pay for him, he's just. It yeah. would be painful. Him playing or him hitting feels like Stanton light, but a lot of more. Yeah. A lot more swing and misses actually. Yeah. So. yeah. Javi by like Stanton when Stanton is struggling, and it's like, how do you hit a baseball? Uh, yeah. Like Michael Kay has said during the Yankee games, there, when Stanton is on, it's how do you ever get this guy out, and when Stanton is off, it is how does this guy ever get a hit. Yeah. Um, but yep. a lot, lot more off for Javi Baez and on, especially last year. But yeah, yeah, I just I'm really shocked. Um, I think Scherzer's going to play big for your Metropolitans, John. I think you uh, may have given him a bit too much dough. Forty three a year for age 38, 40, 39, and forty seasons, I believe. So um, I would be surprised if that doesn't make him the highest paid pitcher by annual value. Cole's annual value is only like thirty five mil- only. "Quote unquote," but it's a thirty-five million. Uh, so yeah, you're gonna. It's it's a lot of money, and the Mets did also make uh, a number of nice signings of position player Mark Hanna. That's a really solid on base guy. Yeah, uh, he for is. your team. So I, I, the Mets are making moves. The Mets are coming to compete in this division. Yeah, and this is honestly just a breath of a breath of fresh air as a Mets fan. I've been following this team really like religiously. I'd say now for like ten or eleven years, and this is probably like the most. The mo- like the best I've felt about just the ownership, like Steve Cohen. Steve Cohen feels like he actually cares about the team. I mean, he saw he saw the problems from last year. I mean, there wasn't a lot of like you, there were a lot of question marks surrounding the starting pitching, and the the offense would go kind of light every so often. You just wouldn't have guys getting on base too much. But he goes into the off season, and you see what he does. He picks up. Uh, I forget who he started with. He started with Eduardo Escobar. Who yeah. is just a solid, solid infield guy, a solid infield guy, and you know he's not gonna. He was an All Star last year, I think, his first time uh, making the All Star team, and he's not gonna like light up the numbers, but he's just gonna be a solid piece in the in the lineup. What I what I saw in the Mets last year is they didn't really have those solid pieces. They've had guys that were really streaky that would go on like tears and then they would kind of come back down, but now 
they added uh, they added Escobar first of all. Kana, like you said, he's just a solid outfield guy. Like he'll give yep. you minutes. He'll get on base. Um, and finally, Starling Marte, which yeah, that was big. was a complete surprise to me. And before uh, before the offseason, like I was really high on Starling Marte just as a player. I thought he was one of the more underrated guys in the league. Like he can hit. He's fast. He can steal bases. And now he'll be, now he'll be playing center field for the Mets and. The Mets honestly have not had a center fielder before that, like set in stone, and now they, yeah. they got their guy. And when you're adding to existing pieces like uh, Conforto, Alonzo, McNeil, that's yeah. Well, Conforto, Conforto's still a free agent. Oh, he he's is probably. Oh, he's, he's gone. gone. Yeah, he's he's gone. He's gone. Never mind. Yeah, he's he's gone. But um, yeah. So Alonzo, McNeil, um, and Lindor, obviously there for a long time as well. So yeah, um, a lot of great talent. The one caveat I will add is the Mets could sign the entire. National League All-Star roster, but I will not trust them until I see them put on those orange uniforms and go out and play an execute yeah. because it's the Mets. Yeah, it's true. Uh, so I hope for your sake, John, mm-hmm. they go out and play an execute. Um, we shall see. They certainly have a phenomenal roster uh, trying to compete with yeah. the world champion Atlanta Braves in that NL East that was so bad in the regular season last year, Yeah. Um, but projects and I would, to be Right now better. I would be remiss to not say anything about Max Scherzer just being inserted into the Mets rotation. Yeah, the Mets so rotation now, is disgusting Degrom, well the back end i'm still a little bit iffy on you have carrasco sitting at your four taiwan walker he was an all-star last year because he had a crazy first, first half, half and was terrible but then was terrible half. in the second half so he's a question mark carrasco he had like a five era i don't know if he's going to bounce back to what he was in cleveland six, actually six era <laughs> <Yep>. yeah <laughs> and then we don't know who the five guy is so um, i don't think the mets are done i think steve uncle steve knows that so he's going to go out on the market look for a couple guys i wouldn't be surprised to see a guy like dom smith go in the in the trade market to try to get another pitcher or something. But right now, DeGrom and Scherzer, I think that's honestly the best one-two pitching punch that you have oh, in the league. Yes. Like, I can't Not think even of, close. I don't think I can think of any other Not even close. two guys. Yeah. So you'll get you'll get two, two great, like, enormous front-end-of-the-lineup starters or front-end-of-the-rotation starters. And come playoff time, I mean, if you just have two guys going, like, you can cycle through that through a series and... It's going to be scary for other teams, let me tell you. Yeah, but, yeah. again, sorry to cut you off. But, no, go ahead. Go ahead. Like two out of five guys in rotation, you're not going to make the playoffs even just winning two out of five games. So I think they're just going to need to add one more piece. Yeah, I'd like to see the Mets take a swing at uh, like a veteran starting pitcher, veteran free agent starting pitcher, like a Rich Hill. Like uh, I know he's, 40, he's 41, but he just had a really nice year. Um yeah, he had a he had a really nice year for the Tampa Bay Rays, I believe. He was on the Mets. Actually, he was on the Mets. The yeah, come back. Yeah, yeah they, they traded for him. That's right. I forgot about that. So mm-hmm. maybe re- <laughs> so you know. Yeah, uh, so, yeah, we know the guy. Yeah, so I I like to see the Mets go out for a free a veteran free agent like that. Um, yep. But yeah, lot lot of rapid free agent signings there. Um, the NL West got obviously a lot. AL West rather got a lot better today. Um, do you see any of these three teams, any of the four teams, because the A's are the A's, but I think the A's might fire Sal pretty here pretty soon. Mm-hmm. Do you see any of those four teams that's seeding the Astros next year? I know it's very early. Unseating them? Yeah, winning the division. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't sleep on the Mariners. I mean, the Mariners almost made it into the playoffs last season mm-hmm. just doing what they were doing. And now they have a guy like Robbie Ray, who I honestly think is underrated. He had, like, his one issue was just walking guys. I mean, he... Baseball reference says that he has the best strikeouts per nine innings in, like, the history of baseball as a pitcher. And I don't know Jesus. what they're 
like what their qualification for innings or anything is. But if you go on his baseball reference page and see his career total for strikeouts per nine innings, like it's at 11 and a half, I think, and it's good for the best of all time. So he's a guy that can get strikeouts. I mean, he's a good player. He obviously won Cy Young last season, and a big part of that was was because he was only walking two or three guys a game. Yeah, the walks have and, historically been his kryptonite, but he cut way down. Yeah, and one thing Seattle did not have last year was just an ace at the top of their rotation. Yep. So now that they have that, I think they can actually give the Astros a run for their money. Yeah, um, I think they'll compete. I think the Astros... Um, I think the Astros are going to win again, just because it seems like they always do. And I, I, I'm saying that without Correa returning. Yeah, I think they're still going to find a way to win. But um, I'm very curious to see how the Rangers are next year because these are two very, very good players they just added. Um, I think Seattle is due for some regression. Have it, but their run, like their run differential was terrible. Uh, they, they were probably. I think they finished probably 13 or 14 games ahead of what their expected record is for, based on the run differential. And that's not everything, but yeah, they're true. they're getting outplayed a lot. So we shall see. Um, it's a long way away. So shifting to the more immediate present, um, we had one of the biggest weekends in college football um, this past week in a long time. And before we get to what happened on the field, we're going to talk about the biggest off the field story of the week, and that is. Former Oklahoma Sooner, Oklahoma Sooner head coach Lincoln Riley departing and heading for the heading for sunny California, taking over at USC. Danny, uh, I'd love to get your reaction. Um, I was actually broken the news from um, Andrew Siciliano on the Red Zone channel yesterday afternoon when I heard that he was leaving. My jaw dropped to the floor. I, I mean, Oklahoma is one of the you know, seven to ten best head coaching jobs in the entire country, and they've made the in, in his first five seasons they've made the college football playoff three out of the five, made uh, made it to the Big Twelve championship four times. He's had tremendous success on and off the field in terms of recruiting. So the fact that he, right after they lost in Bedlam, the, the day after losing in Bedlam, he decides to pack his bags and head to Hollywood just shocked me. But I think this does show people that USC ultimately is one of the one, two, or three best jobs in all of college football. From being the dominant recruiting program in your state and in your conference, more importantly. Like, USC will dominate the Pac-12. USC's top competition will be Oregon or UCLA versus if you would have stayed in Oklahoma and they're leaving to go to the SEC West, he has to compete against, you know, Florida, Georgia, Alabama, Texas A&M, the elite recruiting teams in college football. So I think um, Oklahoma's going to be probably going to get pretty good really, really fast. As we just saw today, all of his com- all of the commitments that he had going to Oklahoma have flipped and are now going to open up their commitment and most likely go to USC. I think USC is going to be, quote-unquote, back very, very soon, which is not a good thing for the rest of the Pac-12 and for my team, Notre Dame. But it's, I think it's going to make college football more exciting because, like people say, you know, the NFL's better when the Cowboys are good. I think, you know, college football's better when USC's good. So it, an absolutely jaw-dropping move, but ultimately I think for Lincoln Riley's sake, I think it was probably the right move because USC, um, in my opinion, is the top two job in the country. So 
definitely going to shake up the college football landscape. And I think one thing that's interesting is Bob Stoops is not going to coach them in their bowl game. He was in the meeting when Lincoln Riley told all the players that he was leaving. So it'll be interesting <laughs> to see if maybe he comes out of retirement as an ex-head coach. I would doubt it. Maybe look at Lane Kiffin from Ole Miss. He's a name that I've been seeing. But it's going to be really interesting to see um, who they who they replace uh, Lincoln Riley with. But USC is going to be good. I saw, I saw they were asking Cliff Kingsbury about it. About going to coach Oklahoma, he Cliff de- Kingsbury? yeah, they defla- he 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 like deflect. He said like no, but I saw one report about that. It's I mean it is the day after the news broke, so we, you got to give it time. This is probably all just rumors right away, but I'm just I'm shocked because we haven't seen a move like like it's not like he left you know Northwestern or Purdue. Or, I mean this is he left Oklahoma. Yeah, like that's that's one of the best jobs in the country, <laughs> and. It just shows people that maybe don't follow the sport as close or follow recruiting as closely as they should. USC is an elite top three job, no question. Even though they haven't been good, you know, since Pete Carroll, they USC is one of the best head coaching jobs you could possibly have. Yep. Um, I was shocked when I saw this. I thought it was very funny that they kept asking him LSU, LSU, oh, LSU, yeah. and he's like, "I'm not going to be the coach at LSU," <laughs> and he he wasn't lying. <laughs> He's not gonna go coach at LSU, and uh, Danny, that's a natural segue. You told me you ran in here, you ran in the booth, and then you told me that LSU's trying to poach Brian Kelly away yeah, from the just Irish. As I walked into the booth, I saw a report from the Athletic that LSU was making an aggressive push to get Brian Kelly. Which we'll see if it's just a bunch of rumors or if there's actually some substance to it. But I think Brian Kelly uh, is more of a politician than he is a football coach. So if this is true, I think the only reason could be for money. He he kind of likes to make everything about himself and he wants more money all the time. We're going to talk about a guy that interviewed for the Philadelphia Eagles head coaching job the day after losing the national championship 42-14. to 14. So that shows you where his mind is, not, oh my gosh, my team just got their doors blown off 42-14. We're, we're, the, we're at the doorstep. Let's hop on the recruiting trail and let's fix this thing. 365-day-year job like Nick Saban approaches it, like Davos Sweeney approaches it, like Kirby Smart approaches it. No, he's worried about himself and, and trying to get a job in the NFL. So, I think it's clear where I stand on Brian Kelly. I'm not a huge fan of him. I think he's done a great job at Notre Dame, but ultimately if he were to leave, I think it could be a disaster for Notre Dame or a home run because I don't see them legitimately winning a national championship with Brian Kelly because he just doesn't take the, the right approach to recruiting. He doesn't get the, the talent that he that, that is required to win to, to win a ring. And they can go 11-1 all they want, and if they somehow make their way in the playoff this year, I'm going to be the, the biggest fan in the world. But... I always have that that negativity in the back of my mind saying, how are we going to beat Georgia? How are we going to beat Alabama when you're going out with, with, you know, three and four-star recruits and they're loaded? I mean, Georgia has more five-stars on their defense than the entire Pac-12 conference. Wow. That that doesn't mean anything in regards to Notre Dame. But if he were to leave to go to LSU, I think LSU is probably a better job because you're recruiting your home state is Louisiana versus Indiana. You have no academic restrictions whatsoever. But as we saw, I mean, Brian Kelly went 4-8 and eight at Notre Dame, and they kept him along, and now he's, he's fired off five consecutive 10-win seasons. Ed Orgeron won a national championship two years ago, and now he's looking for a job. So it shows you – Les Miles won a national championship at LSU and was fired. So it shows you that I think the leash, leash is a little shorter at LSU than it is at Notre Dame. So it would surprise me if he did leave. Yeah, I, I I just go back to what you said. I the Riley move surprises me, but the fact that it was the day after Bedlam that they had it, they were they were competing for a national championship. Oh yeah. 
12 hours before he took that before that was announced. Yeah, and it makes me wonder. I mean, I don't think the meeting was on Sunday. Did the players know going into the game that he was leaving? Like the, these, I, I want to know how well he kept it under the table because obviously it was really funny as you pointed to everyone asking about the LSU job and he frustrated after the loss says, "Yeah, I'm not going to be the head coach at LSU." And I'm wondering if he like if it was already official that that uh, he was going to go to USC. But this is one. This is the craziest head coaching switch. Or I mean, I don't know. I I wasn't a old enough to know what was going on when Saban left um, LSU to go to Alabama. But this is this is crazy. I can't believe it. Yeah, I can't. It is it is truly shocking. Uh, moving from off the field, on the field, um, the uh, the Iron Bowl going to four overtimes. It was the first overtime game in the history of the Iron Bowl. Auburn really had the game in their grasp, and they kind of let it slip away. Um, in a game that, while I was watching it unfold, that it's kind of a, it was kind of a not. This is going to sound silly, but it's kind of a non-factor for the playoff because if Alabama beats Georgia, even with two losses, I think they're in either way. And if they lose to Georgia, they're probably not in anyway. So, yeah. Uh, so I agree. That's what I was. I mean, if Alabama were to beat, were to if they were to uh, have lost on Saturday, and then they come back and beat Georgia in the SEC championship, the committee has shown all year that they believe Georgia is the clear-cut number one team. They have obviously yet to lose a game undefeated 12-0. That would be the best win in college football by far. So I think even with the loss to Auburn, considering it's Alabama, if they were to beat Georgia win the SEC championship, I think they would have been in anyway. But don't mean to call any any one particular player out. Tank Bigsby had a big game. But my, my brother, if you just stay in bounds there on, I think it was second down. Uh, yeah, second, second down. down. So to get so to, so he was one yard short of the first down. And in his defense, I think the Alabama defender more of like dragged him. Yeah, out he. Of bounds or I thought he dragged bounds. him. Like, yeah, he picked I, him I up and pretty much. Then Tank like, actually on his own going out of bounds, but that would have killed like 40, 45 seconds off the clock. Well, they had, yeah, you got to burn th- another timeout. And it would have it would have ch- it could have changed the game, but I mean you give Bryce Young the ball and he has to go and what was it a minute 40 he had to go 98 yards with no timeouts without his best receiver and really an offensive line that had been struggling to block Auburn for the entire game but I do think Auburn's defense just ran out of gas at the yeah. end of the game it was so, their pass rush and Bryce Young was running for his life yep. in the first 50 minutes of the game yep. and then towards the end you could see I think their legs were getting tired. He had more time in the pocket, and it was just a matter of time until Alabama's well, offense. Yeah, obviously it was a multi-overtime game, but yeah. I believe Alabama's offense ran 85 plays. Yeah. So even before that last drive, you're going to be up around 60, 65. Yeah. So you're just you're gonna you're gonna get fatigued. I mean, that was the craziest iron ball I've ever seen. Yeah. I mean, more so than the kick six. That just I mean, that was obviously the craziest play. But but yeah, the fact that Alabama somehow was able to win that game. Yeah. I also don't understand Auburn's play calling in the fourth quarter, and they were up ten nothing. Their quarterback can't even walk, and he had shown all game that he's wildly inaccurate. And for whatever reason, they got away from the run game, started throwing it, and he threw interceptions. And in my opinion, as much as you want to put the game on Tank Bigsby, I think it could could be on the offensive play calling as well. Um, but this would have been a crazy, crazy upset. Obviously, Bama going in as a 20-point favorite. Auburn without their starting quarterback. But Nick Saban and Alabama find ways to win games. What, can, what else can we say? Yep. And that sets up the super mega matchup that we've been previewing all year. Georgia and Alabama for the SEC championship. 
uh, will likely be number one versus two. We're going to get to the results of that other big rivalry game that impacted that will impact the college football rankings. But uh, Dan, do you have a line on that? Uh, yes, it's six and a half. This is the first time that Nick Saban and Alabama are underdogs since 2015. Wow. When they played Mark Reck and Georgia on the road. And I know I don't know if you guys remember this. I think Georgia was like a one-point favorite, and this was a year when Ole Miss beat Alabama on that crazy play, the, the batted ball that went up in the air, Ole Miss receiver catches it, and everyone was down on Alabama, dynasty dead, and they went on the road and smoked Georgia. Yeah. But, I mean, it just shows it's, it's about to be 2022, and it's the first time they've been underdogs since 2014-2015. So I feel like with everyone down on Alabama after their kind of poor offensive performance on Saturday – I think I think we're in for 60 minutes of an absolute dogfight because Saban's going to have his team ready. Uh, I mean, it's obviously it's their season, SEC title, against his uh, former assistant, Kirby Smart. It should be game of the year. I'm, I can't wait. I completely agree it's going to be the game of the year. Um, like you said, I well, I, I don't think um, – I, I'm blanking on his name. Alabama's number one wide receiver. I don't think he's going to be playing special teams. This, I don't think Williams is going to be playing special teams this week after a targeting call cost him the majority of his iron ball. Yeah. Um, that I. Why? Why is your wide receiver one playing special teams? All hands on deck, I guess. I, I guess, but like. Interesting. Yeah. I, the kid's I too important. A lot of people were, were thinking the same thing, and their starting running back um, Robinson got hurt in the fourth quarter. They were kind of. They were down to uh, their last. Yeah, that was a war of attrition. Uh, Auburn obviously missing starting quarterback Bo Nix, and their backup was clearly hobbled by in that game as well. Couldn't really go to the third string because he's a walk-on freshman, I believe. But they're, who? They're, the Auburn. Oh, yeah. Their third-string quarterback. Yeah, yeah. I don't know how you don't have three scholarship quarterbacks yeah. as in, uh, if you're Auburn. But, yeah. When he was coming, when the quarterback was walking from the sideline onto the field, like when the when the offense would come on the field, it was so clear. He, he like it was such an obvious limp. He should not have been out there. But you got to give them credit for toughing it out. Would have been even better if they could have pulled off a uh, upset. But just a, a crazy game overall. And this week SEC title, I uh, it should be. I, I think Michigan's going to jump Bama, so I think Alabama's going to be three. But it's going to be it might be yeah, one versus three or one versus two. SEC title, everything on the line. Georgia's already locked up a spot. So, but for the people that are saying Georgia has nothing to play for, that are just incredibly wrong. If you think Georgia doesn't want to win this game, first of all, Kirby Smart's never beat Nick yeah. Saban. Um, if they're if Georgia wins, they're going to be the one seed, and they're going to play Cincinnati or Oklahoma State or Notre Dame versus having to play if they lose, um, and they're going to let Alabama, who is, in my opinion, the team that they're terrified of, in the playoff. Setting up a potential rematch. That's yep. Georgia wants to win this game, no doubt. Yeah. And you have a lot of big losses, like you said, in recent years. The national championship game a couple of years ago, um, Jalen Hurts coming in, and memorably in the 2018 SEC title game where Georgia's fighting for a spot in the college football playoff. Um, so yeah, this has been the team. This has been the team that Georgia's been really great over the past few years, but they have not been able to solve Alabama, and obviously this could be their best chance. Um, Prediction in terms of a prediction for the game, I know Georgia's been excellent. I know they've been really like just unbelievable. But I said it last week, so I'll stick to it. I think Bryce Young has his Heisman moment this week, and uh, if he if he didn't have it last week in that drive to win the iron, to force overtime the Iron Bowl, but I think he has it this week. Um, 
against Georgia, and I think Alabama scores the big upset and heads back to the big and heads back to the college football playoff. But uh, Georgia's a great team; it's gonna be really difficult. Yeah, I think it's gonna be a great game. I think Alabama's gonna play a lot better than they did on Saturday. But ultimately, all year the, the weakness of Alabama's team has been their offensive line. Yep, they haven't really been able to run the ball at all against good teams. And then on Saturday, we saw in pass protection much the offensive line fell apart. And Georgia does have the best defense in America, so if they play anything like they did on Saturday, it could get ugly. I think Alabama has the better quarterback, um, better wide receivers, but I don't want to say defense wins championships, but in this game, I think I'm going to, I'm going to take Georgia in a close one just because I think Georgia's defensive line is going to be the difference. I, th- I mean, Georgia's going to win the line of scrimmage on both both sides, defense and offense. Offensively, they have a phenomenal offensive line with arguably the best running back duo in the country in um, Zamir White and James Cook, who is Dalvin Cook's younger brother. They have crazy speed on the perimeter, very, very solid tight ends. I think Georgia, and the game is in Atlanta, so yeah. I think there's going to be a little more Georgia fans in Alabama, but Bamination does about really well. It does. I'm going to take Georgia in a close one. 27-21. Yep. Uh, that's a Bama cover right there. Uh, yeah, it is. <laughs> but you know, I will say I will say this. This Georgia team has been almost untouchable the entire year. Um, if Alabama comes out and scores first, I, I'm curious to see how Georgia's going to react to a punch in the mouth because they haven't really been tested this year. Yeah. When you look back at it, what is Georgia's – like really best win. Everyone would say Clemson at the beginning of the year, but now we really saw what Clemson's. I mean, Cle- the Clemson still got Clemson still got the how many wins? I think uh, nine seven or eight. Yeah. Nine, yeah. nine. So if they win their bowl game. That's ten. But uh, so yeah, I, but obviously that's not the win we thought it was at the start of the year yeah. for sure, Danny. And then Kentucky's uh, they won nine games. That could be considered another good win. Florida was terrible. I don't really know who else you would say is a uh, was it was a true quality win. Yeah, but yeah, it's tough to. Yeah, one six and six. I mean, well, yeah. Well, that was when Auburn had Bo Nix though, and uh, played a lot better. I mean, yeah, it's true. You can't really look at this and say like this is the signature win, um, but it, it's tough to complain when you're you're basically other than that Clemson game, you're blowing everybody out. I also want to look up uh, quickly the status because I saw something. I forget which game I was. I think it was the, during the Iron Bowl. And they were showing the highlights of the Georgia Georgia Tech game, and the commentator said Stinson Bennett may be uh, creep, creeping his way into the Heisman conversation because this was after C.J. Stroud kind of laid an egg and yep. I think he's out, and Bryce Young was looking like he was going to lose to Auburn, so it was kind of wide open, and he brought up Stinson Bennett. That he's Georgia's backup. Yep. J.T. Daniels is their starter. I don't know when he. I thought he was already supposed to come back, but I think he's back. I think yeah, I, I think he's healthy. I think they just. I think Bennett is they just kind of took the job, and it's tough to. I mean, when you're you're, you're beating teams sixty-two nothing, thirty-seven nothing, thirty-four ten, thirty thirteen, thirty-four seven, forty-three six, tough to change quarterbacks. Yeah, I agree. I'm gonna I'm gonna make a wild prediction. If he is really healthy, I think at some point in this SEC championship game, we're gonna see a reverse role where normally it's Alabama switching quarterbacks against Georgia, but I think Georgia's gonna switch it against Alabama because last year since Bennett was. He was their guy, and he was kind of struggling, and they pulled him in a Florida game, and they went with JT Daniels the rest of the way, and they won out. And everyone from Georgia 
one of the big reasons why I picked Georgia. I knew they had the great defense, but I was like, they finally got their quarterback. And I wasn't thinking about since then. I was more thinking along the lines of JT Daniels. So I'm going to be interested to see if he, he gets a shot um, down the road in one of their next upcoming games. Yep, for sure. Uh, top of the hour, so it's, going to, it's time for a quick little break here. Villanova University's WXVU Villanova. Online at wxvu.villanova.edu. On air at 89.1 on your FM dial or stream us anytime, anywhere on the Radio FX app. This is Father Peter and you're listening to V891 The Roar. Open calendar. What's my schedule looking like? Next Thursday, you will be caught in an emergency flash flood between Park and First Street. What? No, no, that, that doesn't work. I'm, I'm busy then. Decline. De decline. Floods don't exactly work around your schedule. Disasters don't plan ahead. But you can. It starts with talking to your loved ones about making an emergency plan. So don't wait. Communicate. Get started today at ready.gov plan. Brought to you by FEMA and the Ad Council. Continue. Uh, we're talking about Dan. Go ahead. Yeah, Keep talking about it. Nebraska. The Iowa Nebraska spread. Nebraska was giving points at home on Friday. It was the first time in I believe over 80 years that a three and eight team was favored over a nine and two team. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, the the it's an awesome stat. They went one and eight in conference and had an even point differential in conference. They were three and nine and had a positive point differential. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, they did. They're giving Scott Frost more time, and I think it's the good move because I've watched a decent amount of Nebraska games this year, uh, mainly the Ohio State one. They're in these games, and although you got to put losing, continue to lose in these close games on coaching, it's not like they're getting blown out. So I think the program is closer than people think yeah. to to being relevant again. That's it's unbelievable. That I mean, it's hard to do. Yeah, like just watching the game on Friday. Iowa had a block punt, and then Nebraska's quarterback Martinez got hurt, and from that point on, the game kind of yeah. spiraled. But I mean, they're finding new ways every week to lose games. I mean, yeah, one possession game in Oklahoma, three point game at Michigan State, three point game against Michigan, uh, nine point game against Ohio State. It's just, it's, <laughs> it, it's, it's nuts. Um, but speaking of the Big Ten, Jim Harbaugh finally. Taking, slaying the dragon, getting his first win against the Ohio State Buckeyes, getting his first win against the top five team, finally winning the big game, and setting up a matchup with uh, an Iowa team that uh, a lot of people were expecting Wisconsin to pull it out, but they were upset by Minnesota. So it's going to be an Iowa team in the Big Ten championship game. And one assumes that Michigan takes care of business. They will be in the college football playoff for the first time. Uh, so, Danny, what are your takeaways from, from the game? For someone who's not a big Jim Harbaugh fan, I feel like you got to give the guy all the credit in the world. He gets a lot of criticism for not being able to win the big game, for being winless against Ohio State and a losing record against Michigan State, not being able to beat his rivals. But Jim Harbaugh had his team ready to play from the go. The environment and the crowd clearly helped Michigan. The team was fired up for 60 minutes. And ultimately, I think the game came down to the line of scrimmage on both sides. Michigan just dismantled Ohio State, which is something that we've never seen. I mean, their running back, Hassan Haskins, had, I don't know, the Wi-Fi is once again struggling, so I don't know how many yards he had, but I'm going to guess somewhere around 205 touchdowns. They were just, they played bully ball. 
and they were just churning out four, five, six, seven-yard gains nonstop for the course of 60 minutes. It wore Ohio State's defense down. And it got to the point in the second half where it's like Ohio State just simply cannot stop them. And then on the defensive side of the ball, Ohio State couldn't do anything in the run game. Uh, Hutchinson, who is uh, now I've seen a lot of uh, stuff on Twitter about him potentially being the number two overall pick in the draft. He had three sacks and broke Michigan's single-season sack record. And then on the opposite side of Hutchinson, number 55, the guy from Nigeria. I, I, don't, know, I don't know his name, and I would look it up, but the Wi-Fi is terrible. <laughs> and uh, he, had, he had 11 sacks on the year couple uh, on top of Hutchinson's 13. So Michigan's pass rush is one of the best in the country. It really has been all season. And for the first however many years of Jim Harbaugh's tenure, he hasn't had a quarterback, and he's supposed to be this quarterback guru. Andrew Luck at Stanford taking Colin Ka- Kaepernick to the Super Bowl in uh, San Francisco. And when he comes in, and th- their guy was actually supposed to be Christian, McCar- Christian McCaffrey's younger brother, Dylan, and he was just a dud, never panned out. But it looks like with this um, this combo of J.J. McCarthy and what's their other quarterback's name? I can't even think of it. He's uh, He's got he, – he, he's playing M- – Michigan's offense is, 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 is humming. They, they were able to throw the ball – uh, take care of the football. Get the. They have good weapons down the field. EJ Henning and Donovan Edwards, um, two young, young prospects that Jim Harbaugh has recruited. Uh, two top 100 prospects had major roles in this game, but I feel like the story has to be Michigan's offensive line and Hassan Haskins. There's five touchdowns. Yeah. He, uh, I think that was the first time in the history of the game that a player scored five touchdowns. But that environment was crazy. Um, in the snow. Yeah, in the snow. And you got to give credit to Jim Harbaugh because he, he finally got that monkey off his back. But one thing that I do want to point to, while I am bummed out that Wisconsin was not able to take care of business against Minnesota and now Iowa has to beat Michigan in the Big Ten Championship, Michigan just won the Super Bowl. Jim Harbaugh is still celebrating at some random bar and dive bar. In <laughs> He's got Hassan Haskins to his left and Hutchinson to his right. They're they're still so rowdy about Ohio. I mean, class is canceled for Christmas. No one spoke. No students are focusing on school. We just beat Ohio State. That's all. It's not. They. I, I doubt they've turned the page to Iowa. It's, they're focused on their, their Super Bowl victory. They just beat the rivals. They just beat Ohio. The biggest win in Jim Harbaugh's. Uh, tenure, the biggest win in Michigan's program over the past decade. Just a humongous win, and they got to turn around and play a football game on Saturday against a team that wants to spoil their season. And while Iowa may not have the athletes that Michigan has, they are a tough physical team with a very good defense. And if Michigan can come out flat and come out slow, and Iowa can make that can, can, can make the first punch, you never know what can happen. Vegas mm-hmm. obviously really likes Michigan. I think they're favored by is it ten and a half? Uh, let's check. I think it is. But Iowa, if they come out ready to play and Michigan comes out a little sloppy, don't be surprised if we have a game going into the fourth quarter because this this spells major this has major letdown written all over it. Yeah. Ten and a half, yep. Ten and a half. Yep. And uh Yeah, so coming to the end of coming to the end here, obviously uh Notre Dame's regular season is concluded. Um they're the only major contender left who won't be playing on Saturday uh, for the college football playoff. Gentlemen, I'd like, for the final time, each of your four teams. I'm going to say Georgia beats Alabama. God, it's going to be tough to do it without without picking the teams that I want for Notre Dame. But I'm going to be honest. I'm going to say Georgia beats Alabama. 
Um, Cincinnati beats Houston. Oklahoma State beats Baylor. Michigan beats Iowa. So I think your four are Georgia one, Michigan two, Cincinnati no, Oklahoma State three, Cincinnati four. So that would be Michigan, Michigan versus Oklahoma State and Georgia versus Cincinnati in your two semifinal matchups. Yeah. Uh, I really hope Houston beats Cincinnati. I do not need AAC football in the college football playoff. I don't need to see Georgia go out there and win by 55 points. Um, but, yeah, I, I have a similar prediction. I think uh, I, I do have Georgia. T- I do have Bama taking down Georgia, though. So uh, I'll take Alabama, and I like Michigan against I, I like Michigan against Iowa, and I like um, Oklahoma State in their game as well. So I'll take uh, Alabama one, Michigan two, Georgia three, and actually eh, I don't know how far they drop Georgia. If I don't they, feel like you can drop them past two. No, they're not. They How far could you drop? Well, they wouldn't be out of the playoff, obviously, but would you drop them past two? If they lose Alabama on a close one? Or would you put uh, them at three? Yeah. Michigan, if they beat Iowa, I think Michigan would have to. You got to put them two? All right, yeah, yeah, if they're fine. sitting two right now, I mean, I mean, it's well, hard to like get them out of that spot. But, but they're it's not. True Ohio, if it's Ohio State was sitting two. Michigan, oh, yeah, but, yeah, we but I, have I imagine they're going to be sitting two. I don't know, I don't know if they're going to jump Bama. You don't think so? We'll see. Um, but for argument's sake, Alabama one, Michigan two. And two versus three doesn't matter anyway. They play each other and there's no advantage. It's who, it's who gets to pick their uniform color. Yeah. Uh, Michigan two, uh, Georgia three, and uh, I think the committee breaks some hearts and takes the Big 12 resurgent champion Oklahoma State Cowboys who avenge their only loss in the Big 12 title in the four spot. But actually, no. Where was their loss? Their loss was in Baylor. I'm Ooh. sorry. Say that again? I'm sorry. I'm Forgive me. Their loss was in Baylor. It was uh, Iowa State. I don't know why I thought it was Baylor. Uh, I th- uh, Oklahoma State, four. I think Cincinnati goes gets the perfect season and has, and has the committee smash their hearts into a million pieces. Yeah. Wait, did you, you have Cincinnati being left out? Yeah. It, oh, wow. I, I mean, if Georgia beats Bama and Oklahoma State beats Baylor. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Bama beats Georgia, I should say. <laughs> I think, are you gonna put in? Are you gonna put in an AAC team over a twelve and one, uh, power five conference champion who yeah. just beat their biggest rival? And there's another game against Baylor. Game against Baylor coming up. Only lost by three points on the road. I think if Georgia beats Alabama, I think the committee is gonna do whatever they can to disrespect Cincinnati and disrespect the um, non-power five teams. So I think even if Georgia beats. Alabama, since he's going to be going to get in, but they're going to intentionally put them at the at the four line so that Georgia can just play thirty minutes of football and the game's over. And prove a point that if you don't schedule better teams, we're not going to put you in the playoff. Which I think is fair. I mean, I, this whole Cincinnati argument is I, I can see both sides, but yeah, like you can't play Tulsa twelve times and complain about going twelve and zero. Yeah, yeah. I I mean they did obviously. Went to South Bend. They beat Notre Dame. They scheduled Indiana when Indiana was a top ten preseason team. Obviously, uh, they went from top ten to ten losses. Um, but when they scheduled them, it was a good team. But at the same time, you're exactly right. Like no one's complaining about um, the the UTSA, who's uh, UTSA actually lost. But when they were undefeated, no one was saying like, "Oh, this team should get in" because they're they're playing uh, they're they're playing Appalachian State every week. And uh, so it's it's I 
I and I know that I, Georgia would probably win whoever they played in the first round, but Oklahoma State has a much better chance of beating them than Cincinnati does. If you played, if you have Cincinnati and Georgia play on a neutral field, the spread in that game might be twenty-five. The spread might be twenty-five. I don't know if it would be twenty-five, but yeah, it would be. It would be a tall spread. Um, I mean, Cincinnati played Georgia last year in the uh, in the Peach Bowl, and I get it. That was Cincinnati's Super Bowl, and Georgia probably wanted to be in the playoff, but it took a like last-second miracle for Georgia to, to beat them. Cincinnati, they got. They have a really good defense, and I think Desmond Ritter, the quarterback, is pretty good. But I just don't think they're top four level good. Yeah. But I I, I really do think Georgia's going to beat Bama, so I think Cincinnati and then all of the group of five fans are going to get their shot to finally prove themselves mm-hmm. on a big stage against an uh, elite team in the playoff. Yeah. And there's there legit paths for a lot of teams left, and uh, – I, I read a, 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 a tweet from a college football insider. I don't remember who said it, but what happens if Georgia beats Bama and then you have Houston upset Cincinnati and Baylor upset Oklahoma State? What does yeah. what does the committee do? It was it was there's the four games that impact the college football playoff are three listed and then also Michigan Iowa. Yep. If Iowa were to beat Michigan, in my opinion, the only two locks are Georgia and Notre Dame. Who are your other two? Yep. Baylor. Yeah, I think I mean, Baylor would make that jump. Yeah, you're about to. Yeah, you would have you'd have a two loss team for the first time. Uh, huh. yeah. I don't know. We'll we'll see. There's uh there's quite a uh, quite a bit yet to be decided. Big Twelve championship game kicks off at noon on ABC. SEC kicks off at four on CBS. Uh, at the same time, the AAC kicks off on ABC, and finally, the Big Ten kicks off at eight o'clock on Fox. So, uh, great weekend uh, of college of. Champ weekend, baby. Champ weekend in yeah. college football. So um, one last note on college football. As um, predicted by most people with eyes that were and ears that were paying attention to college football this year, um, Spencer Rattler is out at Oklahoma. He's entered the transfer portal. I'm very curious to see if Lincoln Riley wants to bring him to his new gig at USC. Um, he's a preseason Heisman favorite and was benched by Oklahoma's fifth game, I believe it was, and uh, did not live up to the hype at all by all reports. was not a good teammate. Um, I know I'm harping on this kid a lot, and I know he's a young kid, but I like I hate players that are bad teammates. And so if you're going to be, like like I said, just a bad teammate, I want to see you fail, and he's been failing. So Yeah. One other, one other point, just for, got to say it from the Notre Dame perspective, all I'm asking for is just of the first of the th- – there's four games that impact them on Saturday. The first three, just get one because I want to ha- still have a chance for the Big Ten Championship. I want to be the biggest Iowa Hawkeye fan at 7 or 7.30. Like, I don't want it to be Alabama beats Georgia, uh, Cincinnati beats Houston, and um, Oklahoma State beats Baylor, and Notre Dame's done. And then I'm going to be so defla- deflated, I'll probably just – I won't be able to watch Michigan beat Iowa to go to the, cha- go to the playoff. It'll make me sick. So just get give me one of the three so that I can play the Iowa fights on on repeat for four, for three hours. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and I, I'm very curious to see the rankings that come out tomorrow. Um, how high we mentioned Michigan jumps. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So well, one more thing before we move from college football completely. Mm-hmm. Um, this Saturday, Villanova is hosting Holy Cross. Well, I thought it was on Friday. It's Friday night. It's Friday. Yeah, Friday, it's Friday night. Friday. Villanova. Five seed in the FCS playoffs. Mm-hmm. 
and we'd be re- we'd also be remiss Rest. not to talk about that just because yep. Villanova football has gone so under the radar. Like I mean, probably at every other one of these teams that are in this uh, FCS playoff, like they're I, I imagine their students are going crazy. Yeah, I, just because I, they're not playing for much else. Like they don't have the basketball program that we have, so like this is probably what they're rooting for. By the way, the last time I I, I mentioned Villanova football and like give them love and what have you, they lost an next week to William and Mary, which is their only like real loss because yeah. I'm not counting on the road at, at an FCS team that was number six in the country at the time. Yeah, so no love for the team right now. We're just stating. Yeah, just stating that there, that there will be a big game on campus on Friday. Friday night, seven o'clock. Um, very excited. It's, I I I just like I know Villanova football games. Usually aren't the best atmosphere, but I I have a feel. I think it's gonna be different. I I really do. I think the students are gonna show out, and if you're a student, and you're listening. You should show out. It's gonna be a good time. We're on the football team. I mean, this they're they're, they're number five in the country for FCS, and uh, they're competing. It's they're gonna play some really high level competition, and try and go win a national championship. They've won a national championship in program history. Um, our sophomore year, they had a really good team. Lost on a last second play. I mean, I'm sorry, they were losing, but. Had a shot, a last-second touchdown, couldn't convert. Um, so they're seasoning in that way. But got a home playoff game. Uh, if there's an upset in the other side, then you might get another, but this is probably it. So uh, go out. If you're a senior, this is your last football game. So I, I just go out. I support the team. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Do we have a spread on this game yet? Uh, do we? Let's see. I'm not the, sure. But yes, if, yeah, if we were to win that, we would play either Sacramento State, who's – ranked ahead of us, I think, in South Dakota State. And those Dakota FCS teams, Dude, man, like you should, Yeah, they're scary. They're, South Dakota State's 11, Sacramento State's 12. So maybe no. Oh, are they? Home. they, they uh, no, there's, they, there's the four, four Yeah, yeah the, there's the four seed. seed. But that might be like a conference winner type of deal. Oh, I don't know how it works. Coaches poll. What, you, are you, what are you guys looking at? Uh, FCS playoffs. Uh, Nova's uh, ranked fifth? Yeah, Nova's fifth. Uh, Sacramento State is fourth. Yeah, so they would have to go um, if Sac. They get the win if they win against Holy Cross. You get the winner of Sacramento State and South Dakota. If um, they would go to Sacramento State or they would host South Dakota. Uh, you have a no. I don't know what the seeds were like for the other ones. Really, it looks like only have one. Yeah, only have the one upset so far this this postseason in the eight games, with uh, S- South Dakota being the only. Home team to lose to Southern Illinois, who I believe was in the Final Four last year. But yeah, I'm trying to find a, a a spread for this Villanova game. But yeah, I, I wouldn't I be surprised know. if there isn't one. But yeah, uh, we, have, be, we have Villanova's cool. odds to win the national championship game. We have the FCS national championship, which are 1801, so which are the uh, so there's a chance. chance. Yeah, there's a chance. They're the fifth best odds in the country, tied for fifth. I should yeah, say. Yeah, cool. Um, yeah, they went on the road, had a huge win against James Madison, who is uh, consistently one of the best FCS programs. They're the third seed, I believe. So uh, this Nova team is really good. They're really good. So hopefully uh, – oh, I do have a line. The uh, the Villanova Wildcats are 13-point favorites. So I believe you can go out and take care of business and hit on the next round. So on to the NFL. Danny, there is a stat I saw today that I'd like to share with you. And I read a think I read a piece in the Ringer about this too, and I thought the piece was overly critical. But, and I know that he played on a very very bad team for a very long time. However, Matthew Stafford career record against winning teams: nine 
and 70. How do we respond? How do we react to that? Rams are on a three-game losing streak. Stafford has not played well in any of the three games, playing against three good teams. The Niners are a solid team, but the Titans and Packers are great teams, and they lost all three. Yeah, he definitely has not played uh, up to his standards the past three weeks. I, From watching him so closely for 12 years, I think um, I can tell that there's something, there's something off health-wise, which always seems to be the case. It doesn't seem like he can get through a 16 or now in this case 17 game season without having a bunch of nagging injuries. Um, I don't know if it's his foot or his elbow, but they're clear, they're, there's clearly something off because his accuracy has completely dwindled over the past three games while the first, well, was there seven and four, first eight games of the year, he should have been the MVP front runner and was pretty much playing flawless football. So it's tough to watch. Three consecutive games with a pick six. I didn't see the pick six yesterday, but they got to turn it around. I think they play the Jaguars at home this week, so they should be able to get a W there. But at this point, now they're two full games back of uh, the division-leading Arizona Cardinals, so it's looking like they're going to have to they're going to make a run in the playoffs. Going to have to be for the wild card spot. Yep. But um, I mean, they said it on the broadcast yesterday. Um, the Rams' defense last year was the number one in all of football, and this year, going into yesterday, they were 12th, so that'll only be dropping. And, um, yeah, it's just been a frustrating couple weeks for, for the Rams, but I do think that they already have their bye week, which stinks for Stafford getting healthy, but as the, as the season goes on and we get closer to the playoffs, if he can just get a little bit more healthy, maybe he can start playing a little better, and um, losing Robert Woods for the season is, is, a, is a killer. But your boy Odell um, had a 50-yard touchdown while the game was already over yesterday, doing what he does best. And, um, don't know what else to say. Aaron Rodgers should win the MVP. He's the greatest football player of all time. And the Packers are bye week coming at the perfect time because it's very, very late for a team to have a bye week. Uh, you know, this this late in the season, and especially a team of the Packers caliber with plans of winning a Super Bowl. So. I think the bigger story is you really got to look out for Green Bay coming out coming out after this bye. Mm. Mm. Uh, yep. Yeah. And I'm gonna I'm gonna segue. How have they? How have the Patriots not had their bye week yet? And they don't have it this week either. They play the Bills. What week are we going into? We're thirteen. Go, we're, yeah, we're going to third. They, their bye is they have a f- week fourteen. Week fourteen uh, bye. I didn't know that. It's crazy. I, I think it's the first week 14 buys because it used to be 17. I, I remember there used to be week 13 buys when it was a 17-game season. But they're they're about to play 13 games without having a bye week. It's, uh, yeah, and they're the hottest team in football right now, the Patriots. Yeah. Six six games in a row, I believe. It's something like the, the 13th season that Bill Belichick has had a six-game win streak uh, in New England, which is unbelievable. The Titans were absolutely not at full strength yeah, by any stretch uh, last week, but you you, you got to adapt, and they just kind of got ran over, especially in the second half. Patriots' defense looked unstoppable. I believe it was the fourth straight week their defense uh, had a second-half shutout. So uh, closing games, closing games out. Uh, yeah, Mac Jones uh, played pretty well once again. 23 of 32, 310 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, Jacoby Myers had a good game. Defense played well. Uh, Titans turned the ball over four times for the second week in a row. Um, so, yeah. 
I just I I, I, I the Titans had nobody playing, but still, like to to play this well, to be as hot as the Patriots are right now. Um, we were talking about that. Danny was the highest of the three of us. Danny mm-hmm. was confident they get a wild card spot. I thought they were a wild card contender. John, I don't remember what your position was. No, I was I was hot on the Pats. Okay, so I didn't like where the Bills are at right now. Yeah. I don't think. Did any of us have them winning the division? Start of the year? No, not at the start. Not even so, close. Yeah. So we all had them as wild card teams at best, and they are a half game out of the one seed and a buying the AFC. Uh, they are a Browns meltdown while forcing four interceptions on Sunday night last night from being the top seed in the AFC. Uh, You can't say enough about the greatness of Bill Belichick turning this team around, leading this defense. Uh, This team should not have the, frankly, with this talent level, this team should not have the record that it does, but they're 8-4, and and that's all that matters is winning, and they're winning games, and they're getting better each week. Yeah, I think that the Belichick versus Brady conversation can be over now and just say it's probably both of them. Yeah, there just we combined. go. It's Ain't not. End of that. Yeah. Last so year that's was the end painful. of that. Look at what Brady he takes a terrible Bucks team. Get out of here. I, Rob Gronkowski, Chris Godwin, Antonio Brown, Mike Evans, the best offensive line in football, Leonard Fournette, Ronald Jones, a great defense. But yeah, Brady. Then Belichick struggles. See, he's nothing without Brady. See, he's overrated. He can't win without Brady. Get out of here. It's both. Belichick does not get enough credit. Yeah, uh, Brady was just kind of. I know he threw the ball a lot yesterday, but he was just basically kind of vibing during the game. He didn't really do a lot. He, the team didn't really need him to win playoff. Yeah, this is a Fournette day. Yeah, Leonard Fournette had four touchdowns, uh, seventeen carries, hundred yards. Brady only threw for two twenty. Uh, um, like he played fine. Like he one interception, one touchdown. But that was a. Uh, a lot about the pieces around him playing really well. So, uh, the, like, yeah, I'm, I'm with Danny. The Bucks are a great team, and they were a great team when he went there. So that also irritates me. Big- also, I, sorry to interrupt you, but I saw something that just – I was watching Red Zone, so I didn't – I wasn't watching the direct Colts uh, Bucks broadcast. But at one point in the game, the Colts threw the ball 26 consecutive times. Yeah, at the end of the game, I believe. <laughs> The Colts. Like, Jonathan Taylor's emerging as an MVP candidate coming off of the game of the year. And you, I get it. The Bucks have a stout run defense, but you threw the ball twenty six against. I don't get that. And I love Frank Reich. I think mean, he's a phenomenal coach. So I just have to question the offensive play calling there. Trying to. I don't know at which point. What, what point of the well, game? Well, it wasn't the end of the game because they're when they scored when they tied the game. It was a lot yeah, of Jonathan right. Taylor. Um, Carson Wentz, Carson Wentz, Carson Wentz, Carson Wentz. Yeah, it was in the middle of the game. That makes no sense. Um. I wouldn't do that with most quarterbacks. I wouldn't do that with the overall majority of quarterbacks in the NFL, let alone Carson Wentz, and let alone you have Jonathan Taylor. And like Danny said, they do have a great run defense, but you have maybe the best offensive lineman in the NFL in Quentin Nelson. But yeah. Th- yeah. Plug the B-gap. Come on. Like, just, just give him the ball. <laughs> give Taylor the ball. So, yeah, a uh, big win for the Bucks against a, an up-and-down Colts team that's shown some real potential lately. I think they'll get into the playoffs. I think they'll be a headache for whoever they play. But going on the road, they have such a good home field advantage at Lucas Oil playing in that dome. So, I said when Derrick Henry got hurt that I thought that the Colts were going to make a run to win the division. They're really just like the division is there for the taking. I, 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 I don't think the Titans are a good team. I'm sorry. I, I just don't. I don't really care that they didn't have Julio Jones or Antonio Brown. AJ Brown. Um, AJ Brown. Ryan Tannehill. 
is fine, but Derrick Henry is was their entire team, and I don't think they have a good defense, and I don't think Ryan Tannehill's any good. I was wrong about Julio. I think he's washed. He's not. He can't stay on the field. And then I've never been all that, all that high on AJ Brown with in, in regards to how people view him um, around the NFL. You can't stay on the field this year. So I think. I mean, the Colts are six and six now. The Titans are eight and four, for two games back. Colts really had an opportunity. I mean, the Colts blew. They were up. I think they blew a uh, fourteen. They were up twenty-four. They blew a ten-point lead. They were up twenty-four, fourteen at halftime. They were up fourteen unanswered. Yeah. In the uh, in the fourth or in the, in the third quarter, and um, yeah, yeah, you're up, you're up ten after the break. You get the ball. You start the second half with the ball. You're at the Tampa Bay twenty, and you fumble. What? This is, it, is am I the only one whose Wi-Fi is just terrible? It's, no, mine's are okay. But I know it's on. like yeah, I know it's off and on up here. is just not app is just not working. Yeah, I'm sorry, uh, yeah. but. Yeah, they had the ball at the 20, and surprise, surprise, Carson Wentz turnover, um, and they go on, they lose a game. But yeah. I, mean, I, I, I hate people who are like, oh, yeah, this, this, this proves like Carson Wentz was like, is like a great quarterback. Like, he, he's been fine. He's been okay. He's uh, been more than okay. He's been pretty good. He's he, better than Ryan Tannehill. I, I, I guess, but 12th in the league in QBR. Um, 12th in yards. He he. Had, I will say he has not been turning the ball over nearly as much uh, as he did a couple as he did last year. But he. I mean, he's been turning the ball over historic. Cliff had a historic rate last year. Yep. So then, yeah, looking down the road, just with the Titans and the Colts, and kind of seeing who's going to win that division. I, it's the Titans. They play the Jags yeah, again. They the Colts, play the Dolphins. They play the Colts Titans. have a lot more work to do than the Titans. The the Titans have the Jags, the Steelers, who. I don't know if you saw that Ben Roethlisberger stat line from the other night, but like it's just terrible. It's I don't yeah, know why he's, he's still on a field. He's is this, done. this yeah, is sad. Uh, you think it's sad? I can't stand him. So I, <laughs> I love watching. It. Can't wait. I, yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I uh, he's ruining. I don't want to say he's ruining his reputation, but like the past couple of years, it's been obvious he needs to retire. He's staying out there and he's playing really bad football and costing his team. I think it's obvious that he's a big problem on the team, but this is supposed to be one of the best defenses in the NFL, and they just give up 42 weeks in a row. Yeah. Against good offenses, but not great offenses. They didn't have Minka, T.J. Watt, or um, Joe Hayden against the Chargers. I I know T.J. Watt was back yesterday. I'm not sure about Minka or Hayden. But, yeah, the the defense has not um, played up to their standards. Minka played yesterday. He did? Yep. Um... Yeah, but I mean, this has yeah, to interception be last actually. year, right? Yeah, well, their offense should yeah. be good. Yeah, like they've got good receivers, good young running back. Like tight ends are solid. I mean, it's just Ben. I mean, he, he he's not mobile back there. He can't. He's not accurate anymore. He's just not helping the team out. Yeah, it's it's tough to watch. Um, yeah, a team. Um, but by the way, um. Just want to throw this out there. Miami Dolphins won four games in a row. Yeah, yeah that's true. Well, you got to give him credit. Yeah, he's now officially played a full sixteen-game full-season sample size, and his numbers. I saw it while I was at the airport yesterday or today. They are they're better than I expected. Yeah, and uh, they have they have my Giants this week. Who I that was that win was more about the Eagles beating themselves. But I just want to point out that when you tank to lose games on purpose, sometimes the losing carries over. So play to win the game. I've, that was I've been waiting ten months for that game, 
and I was so <laughs> glad to see them lose and lose in just like the most embarrassing way possible where you turn the ball over four times and pretty much and just drop multiple go-ahead touchdowns and it was just it was awesome I love seeing that franchise fail anyway um yeah got the Giants this week at home bye week Jets at home on the road against the Saints who haven't won a game since Jameis got hurt um I'm not saying they can sneak it in the playoffs but I'm also not not saying that uh they're sitting at five and seven the a the AFC is but the, these last spots are like we've talked about for the NFC. They're wide open. They're not as wide open as the NFC, but you just have a lot of like good teams in the AFC. You don't have like it's not the NFC where you have the great teams and then you have a huge gap and then you got everybody else fighting for the last spot. Like the talent gap in the AFC is much smaller, but you do have more good teams. And if they can find a way to win out, it's going to be tough. But ten and seven is probably good enough. Uh, yeah, I think ten and seven are. Maybe even nine and eight is going to be good enough. Yeah. Because if you look at the playoff picture with the way the Saints are playing, I th- I do think they have a great defense. Swarms to the football, plays really hard. Have a great offensive line. Alvin Kamara, obviously, but Trevor Simeon is not the answer. No. So <laughs> evidently, that looked like a high school quarterback trying to move the ball on a professional. Uh, give line. Book a chance. Thanksgiving, yeah. Give put Book in. Um, so I think the Saints are dead. Cam Newton had a monster game. <laughs> Monstrous. What was that QBR? Was like four? Five for 20. For yeah, five, five for 21. Benching uh, him for NFL legend. PJ Walker. PJ Walker. So Cam, as he said when he took off his helmet against Arizona, he is indeed back. Welcome uh, NFL. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah. Danny, this is, that's the NFC playoff picture. Dolphins would uh, vote. Oh, are you talking about the Dolphins when yeah. they make playoffs? Oh, I'm I th- saying for the, for the Giants. Well, for the Giants. Uh, I mean... They could. Um, I want them to. The Giants, they, I mean, yeah. The, we'll get back to the Dolphins. We'll table the Dolphins. Um, they don't have a great chance, but they. I think they literally have to win out, which they could do. But, um, yeah, the Giants, I think nine wins is going to be plenty. At Miami, as we just talked about, winnable game for both teams. At the Eagles, hopefully a win versus the football team. That's seven. And then you have to find a way to beat I, And at the Bears. Those are four winnable games. Obviously, you can't put them in the column as wins, but those are four games that I think the Giants have a reasonable chance to win. And then you got to steal a game either at the Chargers or against the Cowboys. That gets you to nine. Yeah, yeah. I think nine. And That's enough. Is, is gonna be enough. That's the Chargers be... haven't looked that great recently. No, they they are yeah. very inconsistent. Herbert's been iffy. Wildly inconsistent. Very inconsistent. So hopefully, no one wants to win that day. division, the AFC West. I think I think the Chiefs want to win. Yeah, I, think I think the think Chiefs they're... have had enough. Yeah, uh, but it's yeah. tight. I mean, they, they were on bye last week. Um, their defense, as we mentioned, looked great against the Cowboys. Their defense just looked... I mean, since we kind of ripped them apart, their defense, seven against... Um, it was Jordan Love, but... Seven against the Jordan Love Packers, so big asterisk there. Yep. Fourteen against the Raiders, nine against the Cowboys. Who didn't have Cooper and didn't have CD for most of the game, but still. Um, they, ha- they play each of their division rivals once in the next three weeks. And then finish up with the Steelers, Bengals, and Broncos a second time. So, uh, I think the Chiefs are going to be fine. I honestly, I know the, I know we've talked about how well the Patriots have been playing, and I know the Ravens are a great team, but I, I like the Chiefs to turn around and take that one seed back for themselves. Really? Yeah. Yeah, the Chiefs, that, the bye week kind of came at the right time while they were getting hot, get a week to get healthy. 
for the uh, late playoff push. That is a, that is a nice prediction, Nicholas. They got who do they play this week? Broncos. Yeah, Denver at home on Sunday night. They should win that one. Yep. Um, De- versus Denver versus Las Vegas at the Chargers, which will be a home game. Yeah, uh, gotta feel bad for the Chargers. They play seventeen hundred games a year. Um, versus the Steelers at the Bengals at the Broncos. Um, like they're better than all those teams. I know the Bengals just had a really impressive win, but their offense is like the Chargers, very inconsistent. The Steelers' defense is in shambles right now, and I I don't trust Big Ben to score points. Uh, the Broncos are again a team that like goes out and plays hard, but you're kind of kind of limited by quarterback play, and uh, the Raiders are just falling apart as an organization. So I look at this. I'm not going to say they're win out. I'm not going to say that they will win out, but I think it's a very realistic possibility. Chiefs. Yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't put it past them. They. Um, I think they might slip up once. I don't know. Yeah, I could see. I could see twelve and five. Um, but can you imagine, like just think about all the dominant teams that we've had recently in NFL? Twelve and five could be a one seed in the AFC. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Right now, every team has four losses. Every, the Ravens are the only team without four losses. They're eight and three, and they looked really bad last night in a win. They're they're only. How about this, Danny? They're eight and three. Their point differential is plus twenty three. The Ravens. Yeah. 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 I'm looking at the finally got the Chiefs schedule load. I agree. They might. I mean, they're gonna be favored in every game rest of the way. Yep. I think Cincinnati on the road is their toughest game. Um, like, as Nicholas said, that Chargers game in Los Angeles isn't necessarily a tough environment to go in. <laughs> so, yeah, I think, uh, yeah, well, I uh, think at Cincinnati is their toughest remaining yeah. test. I mean, I, I, yeah, I know point differential isn't everything, but the following teams have a better point differential than the Ravens. The Bengals, the Colts, the Broncos, the, and the, the Eagles, and the Eagles. Hmm. And and the 49ers. I mean, yeah, Ravens have won a lot of, I mean, the Bears game last week, last night, the Lions game, the Chiefs game. Yeah. They've won a lot of uh, very, very close games. I don't know. You think it'd be more. They blew out the Chargers early in the season. Uh, they beat the Broncos by two possessions. It's just, yeah. It Lamar- was t- It's tough because I think Lamar Jackson has regressed as the season went on mm. or has been going on. There was a, I think there was a string of, like, three or four minutes in their last game where he threw, like, three interceptions. Yep. Like, I think the ball just kept switching hands between the teams, and yeah. it was not pretty. I think I think the injuries are catching. As we mentioned, I think they're really starting to feel the effects of all the injuries they've suffered this year. And to be able to battle back like they have, coach of the year in the NFL should come down to Harbaugh and Belichick just because I know Harbaugh had a much more talented roster, but the amount of injuries the Ravens have been able to sustain and overcome – I mean, you have multiple pro bowlers tearing their ACLs in in training camp. Yeah. So it's just – Harbaugh's really, done a phenomenal job. Yeah. What a weekend for the Harbaugh family. Yeah, and seriously. And a bad weekend for Ohio. Yeah, the Harbaugh family 2-0 <laughs> against Ohio this weekend, yeah. So, yeah, I wonder I wonder how many games – how many times uh, John has beaten, like, the Browns or the Bengals and, like, you just, like – they're just waiting to post, like, oh, Harbaugh's own Ohio, but they can't beat Ohio State. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah, AFC one seed wide open, NFC wild card wide open. So a lot left to be decided. Um, and d- like Danny said, I think looking at the NFC standings, 
Um, no offense, they're they're not mathematically done. They're still in it, but the Lions are out. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the Panthers are done. Even I know they're five and seven. I know they have a good defense, but Cam Newton's not that, and Christian McCaffrey is done for the year as of today. So um, he's obviously their best offensive weapon. So I think they're done. I think. Look out for the Niners. I, yeah, look out for the Niners. Very high on them coming into yeah. the year. They're finally healthy. Jimmy Garoppolo is playing very good football. I would say yeah. look out for the Niners not to make the playoffs. Look out for the Niners for the Lombardi Trophy. Yeah, and I, I mean beyond that, like, I, yeah, I think yeah, the Niners look really good for a playoff spot, and the Rams obviously look really good for a playoff spot. But that seventh spot, um, Vikings are inconsistent, but when they're good, their offense is terrifying. Um, Falcons are somehow at five wins. Uh, Saints, uh, they're def- they have really good defense, and maybe if they try someone else at quarterback, they can get some level of production. Uh, Eagles' running game and defense has been really impressive these last few weeks. We know all the talent Washington football team has on the defensive side of the ball. Giants finding ways to win football games. Bears hanging in there. Like I know none of these teams. None of these teams are particularly good. I have to say that none of these teams are good. But one of them is going to the playoffs. And Seahawks, Russell Wilson's back. They could run a lot seven in a row. I don't see that happening. I think Seattle. Yeah. Seattle uh, no, I think they're done too. But they play tonight, right? They play tonight. They play Washington. Yeah, the Washington. One uh, thing that I do want to talk about is just the, the Cowboys. They have just been yikes. so off. Like Dak without Amari Cooper clearly looks like a, a, a much different quarterback. And although yeah. his numbers may have, you know, looked pretty solid on Thursday. I watched that entire game, and there were just so many routine and easy throws yeah, he, that he continuously missed. He missing the easy, making these insanely difficult downfield throws to Michael Gallup, yeah. and then just missing the easy checkdowns to the running backs and the tight ends in the flat. And then their their corner number thirty Brown had four four passes. Yeah, <laughs> their defense looked horrendous. Yeah. Michael Parsons looks like you know an all pro for the next ten years. He looks unbelievable. Yeah. And. Trevon Diggs, although people, you know, were really high on him saying defensive player of the year leading the league in interceptions, he does get torched. A lot. And they're missing Randy Gregory and Demarcus Lawrence. They're two top pass rushers. The Cowboys, they're falling apart in front of our eyes. They play the Saints this week, which I think couldn't come at a better time to play a quarterback like Trevor Simeon. But um, I kind of was thinking that if the Eagles were to beat the Giants and get to 500 that the Cowboys actually were in danger of, of choking the division. But I ultimately think they're going to backdoor their way to a division title. You're welcome, game. Dallas. And then lose early on in the playoffs. I don't think there should be any Super Bowl talk in Dallas right now with that defense. They are terrible. Yeah, I think a big part of it, too, has been, like, the past, I think it's, what was it, two or three weeks, they've just been shifting their offensive linemen around. Yeah, they've had some issues on the line, some yeah. health issues. And, and a lot of the time, quarterbacks are a big product of their line. I think that's why we see Mac Jones looking leaps and bounds better than like Trevor Lawrence right now. Just because like New England always has a great line. So it's 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 honestly a product of a lot of things coming together at the wrong time for the Cowboys coming down the stretch. And well, yeah, that is a good point about their offensive line. But just like two weeks ago they 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 play the Chiefs at Arrowhead and their defense, you know, keeps them in the game. And they come back home on a short week against a Raiders team that is falling apart. And the amount of defense, the amount of breakdowns in the secondary I saw on Thursday was just like, how is this a professional NFL defense? Like, it just looked really, really bad. And they got to turn this thing around because 
They were in a really good spot, sitting at seven and one. Now they've lost. Oh, wait, no, they were seven and six and one, seven and two. But um, they gotta they gotta get this thing going in the right direction again because I thought they they had a legitimate shot to compete for a Super Bowl, and now I'm second guessing myself. Yeah. So. I, I hated the Trayvon Diggs Defensive Player of the Year award talk because, yeah, he has the interception. And I, I know he's Dallas Cowboy, and I know the comparisons to Deion Sanders are going to come, but, like, you have color commentators saying, like, oh, he's the shutdown guy. And, like, when you talk about Deion Sanders, like, he's the last true shutdown corner, and he, he'd go weeks without someone even targeting him. And, like, when are the defenses going to start doing that to Trayvon Diggs? Like, dude, he... He's leading the league as of two weeks ago in receiving yards allowed. He gives up eight and a half receiving yards per time targeted. PFF has some graded, uh, I believe, let's see, 103rd out of 117th. 117. So, no. <laughs> Just no. <laughs> that is not Deion Sanders. Yeah, no. The, the defensive player of the year hype was uh, very unnecessary. And I think it... it uh, I think you can summarize Trayvon Diggs' season in one in, in a sequence of two plays in the New England game where yeah. he gets the uh, interception and then gets absolutely torched on yeah. the, the Patriots' Kenyon Bourne's long TD. Yeah. Like he is the Mariota plays. of his position. Yeah. <laughs> That's what they say. <laughs> Every time I think of Marcus Mariota is still hanging around, by the way. I believe he scored a, he scored a touchdown, I think. Yeah, he scored a touchdown in Thanksgiving game. Yeah, I remember that. Mariota. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he brought him in. Yeah. I mean... And also the thing, the Raiders didn't have their best player for the majority of the game because Darren Waller. Yeah, Darren Waller got hurt. Like, just a uh, a very head scratching loss if you're a Cowboys fan. Yeah, the um, the Raiders, the the, the Raiders just like just won't die. <laughs> like they should, they should be a lot worse than they are. Going having gone through everything they've been through this year, but they're just they just hang they're just hanging in there. <laughs> trying to compete and find a way to win games and six and five. It's the same with the six and five. It's the same with the uh, the Broncos. Mm-hmm. It's like the division wants everyone in the division wants to win, but they also don't. Yeah, it's like we we want to be five hundred. Yeah, it's like can everyone go five hundred? That's a challenge. <laughs> they they ought to like intentionally tie because <laughs> it's a seventeen game season now. Yeah, just. Crazy, crazy week in the NFL coming up. But I want to spend the last ten minutes talking about college basketball. A pair, uh, not a pair, three really big upsets, um, but none maybe as significant as Duke taking down uh, Gonzaga and jumping all the way to the number one team in the country. And I gotta, I gotta be served a little bit of humble pie. Was not real big on this Duke team. Was not, was not buying into the hype about Banchero. But obviously he is the real deal, and that team is the real deal. Um, taking down a great Zags team, Timmy was Timmy, their best player and perhaps best player in the country, was in foul trouble for most of the night. Um, but credit to Duke for attacking and being aggressive and getting him in that foul trouble. Uh, win a close game, number one team in the country. So yeah, just can't say enough about their performance. And for Gonzaga, um, could be a blessing in disguise. Honestly, this loss. Because they're not going, they're not going to go into the tournament undefeated and have all that extra pressure and all that extra scrutiny about trying to become the first undefeated team to win the tournament in however many years. And uh, they get good experience against a great team, compete at the highest level um, against a phenomenal team. Going to prepare them for down the road. Although this team is about as battle tested as you can get. But I, I, if I'm a Gonzaga fan, I'm not worried one bit after after that game. Yeah, no, neither am I. Um... 
I mean, Gonzaga dismantled UCLA just a couple nights prior to the uh, the Duke loss, and Gonzaga has Chet, who is <laughs> just an absolute freak. Yeah, that's he's like, crazy. He's I like if he stands sideways, like you could see past him. Like he is about he, he he's, he's flat Stanley. He's flat Stanley. I was gonna say he's about as skinny as you can get, but can dunk, can shoot the three ball, can defend, can uh, like has decent handles. Like it's. He's, he's a freak. He's a freak. Yeah, and I think Purdue is ranked two now, and I think they're a very good team. Obviously, like we saw them against us. Like yeah. they know their strengths, they know their weaknesses, etc. But I think that Gonzaga is honestly better than them at every yeah. single position except whatever Jaden Ivey's playing. Like yeah. I don't know if he's a point guard or a shooting guard, but like I don't think Gonzaga should be ranked three just because they lost to Duke. Like Duke's honestly, I hate to say it because you know it's Duke, but they came into the season a little bit underranked. Just because of how they played last year, and now like they're they're coming together. I mean, they've got yeah. good players. Yep. Um, yeah, I think uh, I don't I don't mean to disagree with you guys, but I think both teams that, especially UCLA, as I said before, the Villanova lost to them. Even after Villanova lost to them, UCLA is not the number two team in the country. I think they're criminally overrated. Uh, I think they're a good basketball team, but a top five team, I just don't see it. And Purdue being number two, I think, is a joke. Um, I don't see them being the number two team in the country either. I think those two are probably the most overrated teams in America, in my opinion. I think Jaden Ivey's even more so than Kansas. Well, Kansas now dropped to eight. Kansas is Kansas would beat either of those teams um, pretty easily, in my opinion. Really, really. Just in March, they have not produced uh, to be viewed as you know this blue blood marquee program. And you know, elite team. They've won. Yeah. Bill Self has won one national championship, and he's traded like he's he God. So, um, but I just want to say something. I, I said it last week on the show after the uh, UCLA and Purdue games. Villanova is playing with fire. If they do not start playing, get get playing a deeper rotation, they will not do it. Uh, and yesterday, speaking yesterday against the South, first half forty two seventeen, second half thirty twenty nine. Wonder why? It's yeah, sure. You're up twenty five. The game's over, but. Villanova is continuously. If you if you look at the second every single game this season, and it's, they they're, they're tired. You're only playing six or seven guys. You need to play a deeper rotation. And speaking, but speaking of yeah, deeper you rotation, you have to say the uh, that is the most shocked I have ever been while watching <laughs> probably any sport ever. No hyperbole. Demir Cosby Roundtree, who has been injured for years and was announced at Hoops Mania for missing the entire season, really under the radar, so under the radar that I didn't see it till after, Jay Wright announced, like, oh, yeah, a bunch of our guys have the flu, so Demir's available tonight. And I just, I look up, and 21 has the basketball. Yeah. And I, I was like, did they the announcement. I, I said, don't know how that yeah. isn't news. I, like, I said, did they give did they give Demir's number to, like, Longino or something? I just missed it. But no, Demir Cosby Roundtree played Division One basketball. He scored. He scored. Uh, yeah, I thought I was, like, seeing a mirage. Yeah. <laughs> I, it's, they need Antoine back. Nova, they, I think Nova's in trouble. They need Brian Antoine back. But, like, like seriously, this is a guy who played major minutes on the best team in school history in 2018, the national championship team. And I, I know he's, he's working through some major injury, but he's practicing. And he practiced three – they said they – I read the press conference that Jared had. He said he practices a couple days a week, and then he practiced three days in a row. If you're healthy enough to practice three days in a row and play minutes at a Division One basketball game, I don't care that you're playing the Sal. You're yeah. still playing. And, I mean, the one position we didn't really have any depth at either, yeah. either was the five. I mean, and, like, yeah. Dada is a signature five. He's experienced, and it's 
It, yeah. I think he's in a perfect role backing up Dixon. Yeah, I like it's just like completely at, like he was announced done for the year done. It was it was said at Hoops Mania. It was said in the magazines that were handed out that he wasn't going to play, and it was just it, it, uh, Jay Wright said uh, he's been practicing with us and feeling pretty good, so we're going to make him a part of our active roster. I don't understand how that happens in a month. Yeah, he like <laughs> it's ridiculous. Yeah, he's not. I don't think he's playing. Like he's. I think he got in the game. But yeah, well, he might not. Many, he yeah, might not get in against Baylor. Yeah, yeah. I don't think he's, I think yeah. How many minutes did he play? Five. Five. I, I think it was just uh. You get, think? get your guy staying around. Get him his last moment. He's not in the rotation. He's done. I don't know. Yes, he's done. He, he, probably, probably yes, but like. But it's not like this is the end of the year and we're blowing out DePaul. Like, yeah, this it's is, like DePaul is set. I think they're seven and zero. By the way, I'm yeah. just gonna lay that on the ground. We'll see if that goes anywhere. But this is like the beginning of the season. And you're yeah, not gonna give a guy like the end. You're not gonna like give him his farewell tour at the, in November. Yeah, like last game. So. This was this was he played because Villanova needed him to play. And and they were down. A lot of the guys had the flu apparently. Who I'm looking at it like who? I think Logina was unavailable, and uh, Jay Wright mentioned that two other guys yeah, like. Uh, was Brizzy in the game? I forget, but yeah, that game was a fever dream. The whole thing. He said, "Yeah, he said two guys um, had the flow." Yeah, Demir Cousins had four surgeries on his shins going back to his high school days. Um, Jeez. So obviously a real tough road for him. But like I said, I, I do I expect him to be a super like a critical rotational piece down the stretch. No, but. Like if he is this health, if he is healthy enough to play five minutes of Division One basketball in November, he could be he could contribute in conference play and into March. It's not out of the realm of possibility. I'm just saying this now. I'm very worried. I don't know about you guys. Like, yeah. I don't think Nova looks good. It, it's the depth. It's, depth. it's the depth. It's more than that. It's. I was skeptical going into the year when I read about this secret scrimmage that Duke Villanova had when Duke ran him off the floor, and then. I don't know. It's just, I don't think Purdue and UCLA are two top five teams, so I don't want fans to fall back on, oh, we lost two close games to good teams. Well, you, you choked twice to two pretty good teams. And I don't know. I think the Big East is going to be a lot better than people expect. I think mean, UConn is going to be, I mean, UConn is going to give Nova the business, in my opinion. And we're going we're gonna to have to see, because I had really high expectations, you know, once Gillespie and Samuels came back, but I think Nova's in serious trouble. And this was Antoine needs to come back. Antoine needs to get healthy. That'd be get, huge. You got to get the rotation to eight or nine guys. You can't have. Like, You're not winning with six and seven. Can't Actually, have. Yeah. doesn't count. He has yeah. a scholarship because of his brother. You can't win with six guys. Yeah, Gillespie. Um, I think how many minutes he played last night? It, it was I think a the lot. score was him with 13 points. Yeah. Justin Moore took like seven shots. Yeah. So yeah. Moore know. hasn't looked incredible in the past couple of games too so I'm, look, I'm gonna look for him to turn yeah. around but Caleb Daniels has been good yeah like he's Caleb actually Daniels been, played well yeah. I want yeah Purdue game he knocked out a lot of big threes yeah Eric Dixon's looked good too um, but I want yeah want minutes for Longino want minutes for Nana just just get him out there get him experience like I, I know that there's the emotional attachment for the big five for a lot of like the vet, pre, program veterans like Jay Wright but to be honest like what does the big five mean anymore Especially for Villanova, like it's a sick arena though. It's a sick arena. I love playing at the. I love that they play at the Palestra, 
But for Penn and LaSalle and Temple and St. Joe's, like, yeah, the Villanova game was circled in a giant red marker, and they have it stapled to the bulletin board all year. But for Villanova, it's these are teams that won't make the tournament that are tune up before conference play before we go try and compete for championships. So, yeah, I, if you lose to Temple, it's a little embarrassing. But lost like, to Penn when we were freshmen. Yeah, we lost to Penn when we were freshmen. But if you lose to Temple or something, it's a little embarrassing. But play the guys. Let them get experience. And one final note about Purdue. Um, just, I, I think they're pretty good. They have size everywhere, and the Ivy is a beast. But they don't play anybody. Real, they play at Purdue, but they don't play a ranked team until January. Uh, their schedule this month is about as easy as it gets. Jeez, yeah, so, I'm looking at it. Yeah, they yeah, play at Butler on December 18th, but they got powerhouses Incarnate Word and Nichols State this month. Uh, they do go to the rack, though, John, so maybe Rutgers can score a big upset there. But, uh, they, but they just came off a loss to UMass. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I don't know about Rutgers. Neither do I. All right, well, let's uh, so conclude our show for today. Want to get out of here. Want to clear up the booth. Uh, we'll be back next week, next Monday, to uh, talk about the four teams that will be presumed in the college football playoffs, some NFL, some NBA, uh, maybe some NBA, some everything. Some where we might have an, we might be, we might come back to them and be lockout. We might come back to NLB Lockout. It's possible. So if you want to hear all about that, make sure you're listening here next week on WXVU891 The Roar for Game Time Sports 537. Uh, Game Time Sports, where it's always game time. For Danny and John, see you next week.